0: In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we know through scripture that when God looked at his creation, he looked at it and said, it is very good. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you don't know me, my name is Pastor Keon. I get to lead Wellington Heights Community Church with my lovely wife, Pastor Stephanie, and a great leadership team. See, there is God in every person because we are made in the image of God. God created everything. He created many things, but to nothing else did he say but humans. Let us make humans in our image. In fact, we're going to actually look at the, the few ways that, that, that we are unique in God's creation. And the first way, I've just made The first way we are unique is that we are created in the image of God now before we speak about our uniqueness i wanted to make a note our uniqueness shouldn't give us a feeling of superiority over creation uh, in comparison to creation right adam and eve um, weren't going around the, the, the garden looking at the animals looking at rabbits and, and and squirrels saying hey i'm better than you hey i'm better than you you, you better you, you should try to get like me did, just like Jesus didn't go around um, earth when he was walking on earth um, saying, hey, I'm God, I'm better than you, you know. Um, in fact, in Philippians chapter 2 verse 6, it says this about Jesus. Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used at his own event advantage. Our uniqueness points to God's gift to us as being image bears and partners with him in creation care, we must remember that in our scripture reading today, God looks at all creation and he deems all creation as uh, very good. That that means bacteria, squirrels, um, you know, bears, whatever, uh, whatever it may be. God, everything was God certified uh, as very good. And just as Jesus didn't consider equality with God as uh, something to be used at his own advantage. We shouldn't use uh, being image bearers of of God as being uh, a reason to to, uh, forget about God's creation. So, that being said, God created humans from the dirt of the earth. And like the boy band, the 90's boy band instincts says, God must have spent a little more time on you. Actually, the reality is God spent a little more time on all of us because uh, God created. When God created humans, He put something special. he's put something divine in us. Again, God made us in His image and His likeness, and He gave us agency and work. We were told to have dominion over the earth, which. Uh, In in Hebrew, dominion is better understood not as dominating or conquering land and species, but joining God in serving, preserving, and observing. So, you are unique. We are unique. See, if you look around at your family, uh, your blood relatives, you won't find another person like you. You can search your community, your nation, you will still be unique. There are more than 7 billion people in this world and there is no one like you. My, 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 my son has a, a book called There Is No One Like You. There's never been anyone made that is exactly like you. Frater- those fraternal twins, ident- identical twins, they are still distinct and unique. So again, you are unique, and I am unique, and God intended for us to be unique because God values diversity. Just look at the vast array of things that God has created from planets to earth to stars to to grass, all of the amazing things God even created, a a male and a female. There are, are vast amounts of ways that both male and female differ both naturally and in the way in which we reflect God. It's so beautiful, that diversity. Full stop. So we are made in the image of God and that is so unique. That is so unique. The second way that I see that we are unique uh, in God's creation is God's gift of choice. Animals and other creatures are uh, mostly live out of instinct. But we get the amazing ability to choose, to to have reason, uh, to decide on our own. We often look at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil as the precursor to the fall. But uh, when we do that, we overlook the profound insight that God, in creating humans, was committed. He was committed to providing them with freedom of choice. God allows them to name animals and and make choices in the garden. Perhaps more than any other characteristic, this commitment defines the very nature of God and the image in which we were created. God is free. Free to do and free to act the way he wants. And in this sense, the tree... Was, a, was necessary in order to provide choice. This is the reality of freedom. Without opportunity, without choice, without freedom, humankind loses its unique place in creation. We are created in the image of God to the degree that God was committed to giving us God-like freedom. Now, this, this is not me making a statement of, uh, on the theology of, of predestination or sovereignty, but rather simply looking at the reality of the gift that God has given us and in, 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 in choice as he created us in his likeness. So yes, you are made in the image of God. Yes, God loves diversity. He values diversity. Yes, God um, gives us the ability to, of choice not just between good and evil, right? Um, but, but choices in general, right? Like, should we eat at McDonald's, Chick fil A, or Burger King? Should we, what show should we watch uh, this fall? Uh, Iowa State or, or Iowa, which is a pretty easy choice. Go Cyclones, right? Now, now to sum this up though, we have people who are made in the image of God. We have people with gifts, values, agency, choices, who are empowered to create, uh, be creative, and be imaginative. What do you think is gonna happen when these people work together? Well, inevitably, when these people come together, there will be conflict. Before the fall, if you think that there was no conflict before between Adam and Eve, and deciding to name animals like platypus and and the the big bug, you you have a limited view of of conflict, right? In our Western mindset, and in the church even today, there seems to be a common trend, and it seems to be a perspective that where there is conflict, uh, there is the presence of sin. See, companies and, and churches spend hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to turn the diversity that conflict brings into homogeny. While saying they are striving, they're striving for unity, they're actually uh, striving for uniformity. Which is one of the many reasons why churches and businesses are homogeneous. We must understand by the very nature that we are created conflict will be a part of the human relationship. And most of us recognize that conflict is just a part of our lives, it's a part of our relationships. However, our desire to eliminate conflict is not what God intended. I believe that God wants us to embrace the good fruit that conflict can bring. If handled the way God intended, In a christ-like way listening loving and caring for one another conflict can bring wisdom it can bring better ideas better understanding of each other and better uh, ability to glorify uh, and worship god conflict itself is not sin sin may enter the situation depending on how you approach the conflict how you deal and how you treat each other during the conflict. See, we are very aware of uh, conflicts that end in harm, right? We see, uh, we see many divides today. Uh, we see it between uh, uh, countries, countries rising, rising up against countries. Uh, we see it in our countries, between tribes, people groups, and races. We see it in our relationships, in our marriages, between siblings, friendships, co-workers. But I guess my question is should the inevitable existence of conflict and, and disagreement really bring about disunity? Does it have to bring about broken relationships? Or does that actually point to our immaturity? Right? We have a lot of room to grow in our Christ-likeness is what it really points to. There are several ways to, to mishandle conflict, and I'm gonna uh, kind of go through, go through them. I've seen at least four ways that I'm gonna point out. Uh, the first way is called avoiding conflict. This, this, is, this, person, this per- person avoids the topic of conflict or the person altogether. Uh, The second way is overpowering and oppressing, right? This is someone during conflict who uses their size and their value in in, in order to uh, intimidate the person. Uh, This person also doesn't listen to others' points of view uh, and and blows up uh, when the topic of conflict is is mentioned. There's the false peacemaker, number three. False peacemaking peacemaker. This is someone who often gives up their own opinions in order to uh, create the peace. Uh, This person also may um, live with unresolved conflict in order to keep the peace, right? As long as we don't mention this, everything is going to be okay. But that's not peace at all. That's not not living in freedom at all. they, ultimately the, the false peacemaker they they don't look for ways to understand each other but uh, they they agree to disagree and one of the main reasons why this one is is, is so um, dangerous is because it just continues to stack up uh topic after topic conflict after conflict until you're sitting in the living room not not talking about anything anymore not not being able to even um play together have fun together Uh, the fourth way is uh, the demonizer. This is someone who talks about the the person um, or the organization um, with others and kind of gets people on their side. Um, uh, This this person uh, slanders or paints a bad picture of the person or organization instead of uh, coming to the person or the organization or whatever it may be to resolve the conflict um, or even just to understand the situation like i said there are many bad ways to handle conflict and and, and we honestly all fall play uh, pray to to behaving in, in ungodly ways i think that we must identify our issues uh, we must work toward change and resolve and, and reconciliation and restoration when it comes to conflict see These bad behaviors doesn't mean that conflict equals sin. Not all conflict requires reconciliation, but all conflict should be handled looking not only to our own interests, but to the interests of others. See, a huge part of living reconciled lives is figuring out uh, how to approach conflict. Like, if, if we're going to live reconciled lives, if we're going to be restored and, and loving people and reflect Christ, we have to figure out how to live with conflict, not eliminate conflict. Here are some ways uh, that, that I've kinda, uh, I kind of I want to point out on um, um, how to live uh, reconciled lives alongside conflict. And the first one is to embrace conflict. We have to just embrace conflict. Conflict. Not not work to eliminate it, but to embrace it, right? It's going to happen. We uh, we know that, uh, I mean, I know that this is not uh, commonly said um, in churches or, or, or whatnot, but conflict doesn't equal sin, and we have to realize that it's a part of life and not just avoid it. See, differences and disagreements aren't inherently bad. It's It's how you behave uh, in those differences. And just think about this, though. How prideful must we be if we feel that uh, that our opinions and our interpretation is absolutely right? um, And our our hermeneutic, our perspective is the way to go. I had a professor say to me, the Bible is inerrant, but your interpretation isn't. We have to walk in humility with one another, um, with God. We have to walk um, in in trembling and really just wanting to honor each other. So let's embrace conflict. Let's embrace conflict. Let's let's not act like it doesn't exist or try to eliminate it. The second second way is um, to, to really live reconciled lives alongside conflict is to commit to not allow conflict to go south. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the, the, the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the children of God. Why will they be called the children of God? Because God is a, a God of peace. His children uh, create peace. So let's commit to, during any disagreements, to create conversations centered around peace, not just winning or trying to mold the other person into your image, right? Understand that God is taking us all through uh, journeys, right? And even if you think that the person is going off the rails, consider this. Are you even on the rails? What makes you so confident that this person is off the rails, right? We have to walk in humility. Understand that each person, some, even, if, um, even if you feel that they are, again, off the rails, um, that, that we're called to, to, to love each other. And sometimes that takes creativity. It takes a lot of dying to ourselves both on both sides. But we must remember that, like, again, the goal is to bear uh, with one another, with love, and to do kingdom work together. Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. And in many of Paul's letters, Paul uh, says, um, serve one another, put each other first. This is not a reason to throw out truth, right? But, um, but it is a, a reason during conflict uh, to, to treat each other as more important than yourself, right? If, if, something, if somebody is, I just wanted to take time to say this, if, if somebody is living in fear, because of you. Is that really Christ like? Right? We're called to bear with one another. We're called to uh, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. If someone's living in fear or, or, or tense around you, that's something that you should want to resolve. The fourth, the fourth way we can live reconciled lives alongside conflict is to understand that not all conflict. Will end in holy, uh, but you can still be holy. You may not get the the paint color that you wanted. Your daughter may not agree with your opinion. Your spouse uh, may not see eye to eye. You may get fired. You may even be slandered. But we cannot allow negative outcomes to stop us from. Reflecting and leaning into conflict in a Christ-like manner. Remember, you are called to join God in restoring broken things. God is working on us, right? God restored those who have uh, called the name of Jesus, right? We know that Jesus came down. He came down uh, to this earth to, to reconcile all things, to, to make unrighteous people righteous. Through his death and his and his the blood that was shed, and through his resurrection, and all who receive that that gift, right that gift of 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 freedom, of salvation, of reconciliation with our Creator, all receive that, I get to be on this journey with God again, right? This this uh, reconciliation journey. I like to say that we are uh, we are agents of reconciliation, we are agents of restoration because of the 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 the. Uh, the gift that Jesus gives us uh, through through His death and resurrection. So, as image bearers, we are called to be peacemakers and to reflect the likeness of Jesus. And when we work together, there there may be tension, right? But what tension does is it grows the relationship, and, and it brings uh, us to be better people. You know. The, uh, gold has to be refined, right? We have to be refined. If, if we commit to being peacemakers, if, if we commit to putting um, others first in our conflicts, consider how that would change your relationships. How would committing to this, uh, being a peacemaker in, in the midst of conflict, how would, how would this commitment change the way you treat your spouse? or your ex, your enemies. Republicans, how would this change the way you treat Democrats? And Democrats, how would this change the way you treat your Republican brothers and sisters? How would it change the media that you're watching? Is, is the media that you're watching, uh, is, it, is it spewing uh, insults at the enemy, at the other? Is that the TV, the, 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 the movies that you're, you're watching, is it, is it really good for your soul? Or is it creating a, a bigger uh, divide? How would it change the way you treat your employees or your employers, right? How would it change those relationships, those work relationships? And even churches. Instead of spending time labeling other churches Labeling other churches as liberal or too liberal or too conservative. What if we sat at the table? See, the world sees our divide, and by the way, they're not impressed with it. Our divide isn't increasing the kingdom of God. It's not. Jesus says um, they will know we are Christians by the way we love each other, not by the way we label each other or point. Uh, fingers at what we feel is wrong and right, but how the way we love and how the way we resolve conflict and, and be peacemakers. I get the awesome opportunity to be in a ecumenical um, meeting every month with, with about six or seven different um, pastors from different uh, denominations, and it's just a great picture of, of Revelation 7. And really just a, a great opportunity to learn from each other, leaning on each other. Um, I, it's been so fruitful and I'm so honored to be a part of that diverse um, um, uh, meeting with pastors. But whatever the situation is, let's, let's commit to, to not allow conflict to go south. Let's commit ourselves to being peacemakers. We, we are called to reflect Jesus and love our neighbor and love our enemies and the world is watching the world is watching us and, and wanting to see how we are dealing with conflict are they seeing Christ like behaviors are they seeing what Jesus would do are they seeing us preserve our freedoms or preserve what we believe is is, is more valuable Jesus Christ, Jesus says that if you want to be first in the kingdom of heaven, you have to serve one another. When Jesus came not to be served, but to but to but to serve. So that's the God that we, we follow, a, a servant leader. We have to die to ourselves. We have to we have to really live uh, live to die to ourselves, that we may increase the kingdom of God. I want people to really see. What Jesus is like, and I, and I believe that I believe that God wants us to live that way as well. I want to end. I want to end with with a, a really classic verse. It's a popular wedding verse, and, um, it's 1 Corinthians uh, chapter twelve. It's the love verse. And as I read this, I want you to look at it. I want you to hear it in light of comfort. I want you to. Uh, look at it and and listen to it in light of being a peacemaker within conflict. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. I pray that Jesus would give us the strength to be peacemakers and to love each other the way Jesus loves us. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Remember to turn on your notifications to be the first to listen to future episodes. Also, be sure to like and share this podcast and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We are relying upon the benevolent gifts of donors to continue our ministry in an urban setting. So if you are compelled to give, please give a gift at donorbox.org backslash WHCC. Hey, thank you and be blessed.